you, you know what you've done. You know what you've been. Well, consider some of the people that God used. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. Leah, ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a a stuttering problem. Gideon, afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. That makes it a little tough, doesn't it? Rahab, she was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter denied Jesus. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too short. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. But God still managed to use every one of those guys. He also still manages to use most of us in here. Amen? So uh, if you're wondering, number one, do we need you? The answer is yes. And uh, number two, can God really use me? The answer is also yes, he can. Amen? Hey, guys, today I want to uh, talk to you for a little bit. And, and this is really a Wednesday night message. This is a message that is is really made for Wednesday night. It's uh, it's not really something that, that I would do on a Sunday morning because it's, um, it's really for, for folks like you and me that are a little more seasoned in our faith. You know, Sunday morning, obviously, it didn't take you long to figure out that the focus of the preacher was, was very singular, salvation. And we saw, uh, saw over 10 folks rededicate their life to the Lord and, 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 and get saved, and that's what church is all about. That's what Easter Sunday is all about. And, and um, But this message tonight is, is more for us. It's more for folks like you and I who've been seasoned in our faith a little bit. Um, this message should, should act as a caution to all of us that believing God is who He says He is and can do what He says He can do is not just a suggestion or just even a good idea. It is a command that must be followed through on or there's a really high price to pay. The, the title of my message, and, and we're going to be in the Old Testament tonight, is the high cost of unbelief and disobedience. The high cost of unbelief and disobedience. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray today, Lord God, that you would uh, anoint me as the communicator to uh, communicate this message like you communicated it to me. And God, as we read your word, let it just come alive to us, Lord. And, And I just ask right now, Lord, that you would touch us and you would strengthen us, Lord, and and that you would just minister to us and through us in a, in a real amazing way. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You know, this message was birthed a few weeks ago while reading my one-year Bible, which I meant to bring with me, but I forgot. But it's not that big of a deal. But, uh, but I'm reading through the Bible again this year. Many of you have done that before. I've done it several times before. Uh, I've used a bunch of different ways to do it. There's apps that can help you do it. And, and I'm just not much into those apps, but, uh, but I have the Bible that actually has on each day an Old Testament selection, a New Testament, Psalms, and a proverb. So it's all, always really cool, and, and, um, and that's kind of how I've been starting my devotion time every day. So, uh, so that's good. And a couple weeks ago, I read in Deuteronomy chapter number one in the New Living Translation, um, Deuteronomy, of course, is, is the last book in the, the Pentateuch or the law. And, and if you will, it's really just a review. 
It's really just Moses going back through, uh, because how many know sometimes as a parent you had to repeat yourself? Okay, Shana, I, I saw those eyes roll in Jesus' name, and, and, and I'm sure as a mom you've had to p- repeat yourself maybe once or twice this week, huh? Maybe once or twice today. Maybe once or twice in the last hour or two, okay? We, we as parents, we as spiritual leaders, sometimes need to repeat ourselves. And, and if you notice, the real important stuff in the Bible seems to repeat itself, okay? It's, uh, uh, we get reminded more than once that we ought to forgive each other, right? We, we get reminded more than once about the love of God. We get reminded, so, so important things are, are worth repeating. And, uh, and God, through Moses, decided to have him repeat a few things. So we read in Deuteronomy chapter number 1. I'm actually going to read out the NIV, but, but I was reading in the New Living Translation. It says this, These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the desert east of Jordan, that is in the Arabana, opposite Sup, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizabob. Verse 2, It takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barna by Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all the Lord had commanded concerning them. Now, in the New Living Translation, it says verse number 2 a little bit differently. It says it normally only takes 11 days to go from Kadesh Barna through, uh, from Sinai to Kadesh Barna. Okay? Guys, how long was the Israelites in the wilderness? 40 years. Immediately when I read that, I was like, what a waste of time. What in the world were you thinking? What in the world was going on? Now, obviously, you know the story. I know the story. And, and immediately the Lord began to, to download some things for me personally. Because how many know that, that if the enemy can't defeat you, he'll settle for distracting you? He'll settle for getting you to take a few laps around that same mountain, okay? And apparently he succeeded in getting the children of Israel to take a bunch of laps over the same property, okay? Because for 40 years they just made laps in, in something that really didn't need to take that long. So the Lord began to download some things to me and, and, and I just shocked me at what a waste of time this was. What a waste of precious time. Time that you and I really don't have since we would all agree we're living in the last days. Wouldn't we all agree that these, uh, the dispensation of grace, which is the time frame in which we live in now, wouldn't we all agree that it's probably coming to an end? Wouldn't we all agree that, that, that we're probably in the last day? Sister Fisher, how many times have you heard people preach that Jesus is coming soon? You've been hearing that as long as you've been in church, haven't you? We've been always hearing it. Well, guess what? It's more true today than the first time it was ever proclaimed in this pulpit. It's more closer today. We are truly in the last days. So wouldn't you agree with me that we don't have time to waste? So let's try to learn some lessons from some hard-headed Hebrews who spent way too much time than they needed to in the wilderness. Amen? Let's learn a few lessons from them, okay? See, the Lord began to download some personal truths for me because guess what? Like those hard-headed Hebrews, I can be hard-headed too. Okay, I've told... No. I, I hint the sarcasm in that one, okay? My, my, my nickname growing up was Tet Dur. You've heard that before. For those of you that know just a little bit Cajun French, that means hardhead. Well, if they're going to call me hardhead, there was a reason, okay? I was pretty hardheaded, okay? And, um, and guess what? I can still be a little hardheaded, but here's what I've learned. And for all you hardheaded, anybody in here is a little bit hardheaded? Lift your hand. 
Oh, that's why we get along so great. Okay? Um, for those of you that are hard-headed, let me encourage you with something, okay? As long as you keep a soft heart, you'll be okay. A hard head and a soft heart, God can use you to do some pretty cool stuff. The problem is sometimes we mix the two up. Sometimes we allow our heart to grow hard, and boy, that's when we can get in some trouble. So just, that's a free lesson that's not in my notes. I'm just trying to help you because I'm your pastor. But the Lord began to download some things to me and, and as your pastor. But tonight, I want us to focus on the very high cost of unbelief and disobedience that the children of Israel had to pay from the time of their deliverance from Egypt to entering the promised land. Now, if we're going to do that, we're going to have to back up a little bit. So let's go back to Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. If, if uh, Man, if you haven't read the story in the first dozen chapters of Exodus lately, you need to go home and read that because it's pretty amazing, okay? I mean, in the book of Genesis, the last 13, 14 chapters tell about Joseph and how God promoted him. He began, to, he began, he be, he became the second in command in all of Egypt and God blessed them and did all kind of amazing things. And then right at the very beginning of Exodus, it says, but then a new Pharaoh came who didn't know Joseph. And then all of a sudden, they began to become fearful of God's people, and they put him into bondage. They put him into slavery. And this began a very long time of them in slavery. But then God raised up a delivery, raised up Moses. And, and uh, speaking of hardheads, old Pharaoh was a pretty hard-headed fellow. Okay? Uh, but at the end of chapter number 12, finally, Pharaoh is ready to say, y'all get out of here. Okay? He's been through ten different plagues. I mean, from flies, to frogs, to, to locusts, to, to all kind of craziness, uh, water turning to blood, darkness, hail, I mean, and then finally, the death of the firstborn. I mean, it was a crazy time, okay? And then finally, Pharaoh came to his senses and he said, y'all got to go. Y'all go, y'all get out. And in verse number 50, we read of Exodus chapter number 12, we read, all the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded, Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. So we have an amazing exodus here. We have them uh, going out of Egypt, and they didn't leave empty-handed. I mean, God just blessed them, okay? I mean, they, they took much of the wealth of Egypt with them, okay? So, so obviously, this is a good start, isn't it? It's a pretty good start. God's being faithful to his people. Let's look at chapter number 13. And we're going to start reading in verse number 17 because, uh, because we have just a couple lessons right here at the very beginning of their wilderness journeys. Okay? Now, first thing that God did is he, uh, he didn't take the shortcut. He really didn't. So in verse number 17, we see this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country. All right, I have a little map right here. Maybe your Bible has a map. But in a nutshell, you have Egypt right here. You have Egypt right here. And then you have the promised land right here. What's the shortest distance between two points? A straight line, right? So a straight line from Egypt to the promised land would have probably took, I think it's 10, 11 days. It would not have taken long. But the problem with that is the Philistines lived in that area. And God knew that. So we read right here. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. You see, it wasn't enough for God to get the people out of Egypt. He had to get Egypt out the people. Let me say that again. 
The easy part is getting you out of the world. The hard part is God getting the world out of you. Amen? That's the discipleship process. You know, that's why on Sunday, this week, I've been praying for everyone who made a commitment to faith Sunday because the easy thing to do is lift your hand when I'm giving an altar call. That's the easy part. Now, praise God, you've all done that part, but that's just the beginning of a journey, right? And as um, uh, our friend Joe Pasquale likes to say, Don, it's an ongoing process, okay? It's not a one-time event. It's just not something we check off the box. The discipleship box is just not something you check off and you say, I got it. It's something that you constantly are constantly growing and working on. But see, God knows better than we do. God knew that his people needed some time to grow in relationship with him and to get their minds right and to get that, that slave mentality out of their lives. So instead of just taking them the shortcut, he decides to go a little bit longer, okay? So in verse 18 we read, So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Continue reading. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear by an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leading Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Three quick lessons right here. Number one, God knows what's best for us. You see, guys, God knew what was best for the children of Israel. He could have went, the, the, again, we all know the shortest distance between point A and point B is a straight line. He could have done that, but he knew better. He knew that they weren't ready for that. He knew that if they got in a battle with the Philistines, they would not be, they, could, they didn't yet trust him enough to, 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 to be victorious. So he knew what was best for him. Guys, I submit to you that God knows what's best for you and I as well. Amen? God knows what's best for you and I. Now, has there ever been moments in your life where you just kind of scratched your head and you kind of wondered what God was up to? By the way, your pastor is lifting your hand. I've been there, okay? I just came out of that season, okay? Egypt for me was Franklin Senior High School, okay? And I'm not talking 25 years ago when I went to school there. I'm talking about two years ago when I taught there, okay? That was my Egypt time. I was so happy to be delivered. Do you remember one year ago when we were doing the countdown? You know, I was, I was kind of cataloging some of my messages. Pastor Tommy's doing a great job of uploading some things to our website. And we're kind of redoing our website and some different cool, exciting things. And, and, uh, and I remember reading one of those sermons and it said, uh, Thank you for praying for your pastor. And I always told you to pray for grace and not for patience. You remember that? Okay. By the way, that's a prayer you can continue to pray. Okay, don't pray for patience, because you know what happens when we pray for patience? You get put in situations where you've got to have patience. Don, we don't like those situations, do we? Okay, we need grace, okay? With Santana, you need grace, amen? You don't need patience, okay? Patience means you get a phone call from the school. Let me tell you what that boy did. Grace is unmerited favor from God. That's what we want, amen? But God knows what's best for us. God knows what's best for you. He knows what's best for your family. He knows what's best for this church. And guys, even when we don't understand it, we've got to trust that he knows best. Amen? You know, sometimes we can't figure out exactly what he's doing, but it's enough to know that somebody knows what's going on. And it's him. 
So God knows what's best for us. Number two, God keeps his promises. See, in the story of Joseph, that little bitty verse in verse number 19 where it says, he took the bo- Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. Why? Because way back in Genesis 50, turn back with, there, with me there. Genesis chapter number 50. Let me show you how, how good God is, how he just absolutely keeps his promises. Genesis chapter number 50, verse number 24 and 25, it says this, Then Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely come to your aid. You see this speaking faith right here? Joseph speaking faith. But God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. You see, Joseph understood the promises of God were generational promises. They weren't just a promise for him. He was serving a God of his father and and his grandfather. The promise that was first given to Abraham was passed down to Isaac and to Jacob and to Joseph, and he was passing it down to the next generation. As this is not in my notes, but you need to be passing something down to your generation, the next generation as well. Amen? Not just a 401k, not just a retirement plan, not just a little cash. Some spiritual nuggets of gold you need to be passing to the next generation. Amen? Let's make sure we do those things. But God keeps his promises. Because Joseph said, when God delivers you, and he will, get my bones up out of here because this ain't where I want to stay. Okay? So Moses honored that in, in Exodus thirteen nineteen by saying he, take, he took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had spoken faith long, long ago. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, that, that story of Joseph is actually in the heroic call of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, where it says that he made promises concerning his bones. And in the third little message, or the third little lesson is, God will lead you if you will allow him. See, how was God leading the people? He was leading them with a pillar, a a cloud by day, and fire by night. He did not want them to be mistaken. He did not want them to lose their way, okay? This was the first GPS system ever invented, okay? This put Siri to shame. I mean, this, you couldn't get lost, okay? Cloud goes this way, you go this way. Oh, it's dusk, all of a sudden now it's fire. You can't miss that, okay? God wanted to make sure that his children would not get lost. He wanted to make sure that they wouldn't go off to the right, wouldn't go off to the left. They could stay focused on him and not lose their way. You know what, guys? God still works that way. He'll still lead you if you'll let him. Now, he won't force you. (laughs) He won't twist your arm. He he won't make you do something you don't want to do. He's a perfect gentleman. But if you'll seek him, you'll find him. Amen? So I just want to challenge you guys with those three simple little lessons. By the way, that, uh, we're just at the beginning of this. You can tell why this is going to take me a few weeks. Because at the end of the day, I want to get to Numbers 13. Okay? Because that's really where they, they made a big old boo-boo. But we ain't going to get close to that today. But three little lessons from Exodus 13 was God knows what's best for us. God keeps his promises. And God will lead you if you allow him to. So far, so good, right? But where did things go wrong? You see, the first hint of unbelief that manifested itself as fear was found in the very next chapter. So in Exodus chapter number 14, let's pick up reading in verse number 8. 
So God has delivered his children, right? He's taken them out of Egypt. They're richer than they could imagine. I mean, they've totally plundered Egypt. And and then remember that hard-headed Pharaoh? (laughs) He he um, He had buyer's remorse, okay? He just had second thoughts. He's like, I can't believe I let them go. We're going to get them, okay? And in verse number eight, we read, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Paharoth, opposite Zal Zephon. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. You see, guys, there's still unbelief there. Okay? You know, don't you think the same God who delivered you from the Egyptians once could do it again? Guys, there's a reminder to all of us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that answered your prayer years ago can answer your prayer today. Amen? The same God that, 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 that touched that need uh, several years ago can touch your need today. The same God that was there before can be there for you today. Amen? But sadly, their unbelief manifested itself in fear, okay? It says they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. At least, I will give them the benefit of this, they at least had sense enough to cry out to the Lord, okay? At very least, they were at least focused in the right direction, okay? They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Boy, it's amazing what fear will lead you to do. (laughs) I mean, look, they are are ready to kick Moses to the curb. They're like, this is not good. Verse number 13. Here's the answer. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. You see, guys, somebody needs to hear this today. Let the Lord fight your battles. Somebody needs to be reminded that today. We we sometimes think that God needs our help. Honey, he don't need your help. Okay? He does not need your assistance to figure this thing out. Let God fight your battles. Okay? If God can come through for a bunch of Hebrews that that clearly had a whole lot to learn about faith, how much more can he come through for you? Amen? What are promises that God has given you? I think every one of us in here, we have promises. We have things we're hanging on to. We're believing for loved one's salvation. We're, we're believing maybe for healing in our body. We're believing for that prodigal son or daughter to come back home. We're believing for some promises in our family, among our friends. And, and guys, i got just got to tell you, God keeps his promises. He can fight your battles. you got to let him do it. You have to be still and watch him. Work his magic. Work his, work his power. Okay? So right here, we have unbelief manifesting itself with fear, manifesting itself with, uh, with lashing out at others. And, and, and in verse number 21, we see what God does. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind. Because look, guys, let's be honest, the children of Israel were in a tough place. 
You have the Egyptians coming one way and you have a sea right behind you. That's kind of between a rock and a hard place, isn't it? Okay, so they were concerned. They were, they were, um, they were worried. They were, they were nervous. They were scared. They were terrified. But God had a plan. See, guys, even when you can't figure it out, God still has a plan. God knows. See, here's the amazing thing about God. The way we see our lives is we see all of our past experiences and we see our present and we have, a, 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 we have some promises concerning our future, okay? Well, Pastor, what promises do we have? Well, I have Jeremiah 29 11. God knows the plans he has for me, plans to prosper and not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. That's a promise for my future, amen? He's going to go before me and not against me. He's, uh, I'm the head and not the tail. Those are promises for my future. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Those are all promises for my future. By the way, they're promises for you too. You're welcome to take them, okay? So we see our past, we see our present, and we have hope for our future. But God sees all of our yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows at the same time. So he is more able to, to, to move on our behalf, and he's more able to work things out on our behalf to get us to the desired destination that he has for our lives. Wouldn't you agree? So even if you can't figure it out, even if you wonder sometimes, God, why am I going through this? Has anybody ever been there? I think we all have, okay? If you've had enough birthdays, and I think everybody in here has, okay, you've had situations that you didn't know what was going on. You didn't know how it was going to all work out. But you've got to trust that God has a plan. God had a plan for the children of Israel. Watch how it unfolds. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry land with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Wow. You see, guys, I don't think in their wildest imagination they could have figured out that one, huh? I don't think they looked at the sea because, again, this was more than Lake Pelourd, y'all. This was, a, this was a sea. This was a red sea. This was a big old place. And, and, and I don't think they could imagine the sea's part. See, guys, God is going to do for us exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine, if we'll only believe. Amen? So, the, the, the sea opens up, verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and the cloud of the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. You see, guys... The, the Lord can send your enemies into confusion. He can work on your behalf in such a way that can turn everything around. He made the wheels of their chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. Well, that's an understatement right there, huh? Rick, if on the drive home your wheels came off, that would make it difficult to drive now, wouldn't it? Okay, we wouldn't want that. That'd be craziness, okay? So it made it difficult to drive. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. They're finally coming to their senses. The Lord is fighting for them against us. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians in their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. 
Do you remember not too long ago, Moses had told the people, those Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again? How in the world could something that miraculous happen? The answer is God. The answer is God. Amen? Verse 29. But the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right, wall of water on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, His servant. Wow, things are surely going good now. Everything's going to be smooth sailing, right? We're on our way to the promised land. It's going to be awesome. People are trusting God. They're trusting their leader, Moses. Oh, happy day. Hit the hallelujah chorus, Pastor Tommy. We're good to go. Not so much, (laughs) okay? Not so much, okay? Needless to say, I could finish this sermon tonight if that's when the story ended. But we have just begun to scratch the surface, okay? Remember what I said about them hard-headed Hebrews? Okay? We're going to learn a lesson or two more from them. So, everything should be hunky-dory. And in fact, in chapter number 15, we have a pretty awesome song of Moses and Miriam talking about and praising God, and God came through for us, and that is so good. And, And chapter 15 is just all about celebration, right? Not quite, okay? Read with me in verse number 22. We just finished singing to the Lord. He's highly exalted. He's hurled Egyptians' horses and riders into the sea. And in verse 22 it says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, say three days, for three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now that's a small problem. Okay, if you're in the desert, you want a little water, okay? So they've gone three days without water. Verse 23, when they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? You see, guys, unbelief is back. Okay, it's rearing its ugly head again. This time it's manifesting itself as a complaining and grumbling spirit against Moses, their leader, okay? In three short days, man, how short are these folks' memory? In three short days, God went from miraculously opening up the Red Sea for them to walk across on dry land, closing it back upon the Egyptians. He said, you'd never see these guys again, and you never will. And now, you really think he's going to take them out in the desert so they'll die of thirst? Really? Come on, man. Do you really think that's how this story is going to go? Had they not forgotten that they're God's children? Had they not forgotten the promises that God gave Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Had they not forgotten Joseph? Had they not forgotten the faithfulness of God that got them to where they are? But all of a sudden, they show up at a place and the water doesn't taste so good and they're ready to to kick God to the curve, kick Moses too, and we want to go back to Egypt. You see, guys, the easy part is getting out of Egypt. The hard part's getting Egypt out of you. Amen? I'm going to say that a bunch more times because that's what God is trying to do for us, okay? He's trying to not... He's trying to get that unbelief out of our hearts. He's trying to get that worldliness out of our hearts. He's trying to get those disappointments and those discouragements out of us because it taints everything we do for God. Amen? 
We need to get to the place where we're able to trust God on the mountaintop and we're able to trust God in the valley. You know what, guys? LJ and Gail Chase, they need to trust God today. You know, it's easy to trust God when you're feeling great. It's easy to trust God when everything's going good. It's easy to trust God when you just got a pay raise at church, uh, at work. It's another thing to trust God when you just got laid off at work. It's another thing to trust God when I go see LJ and he can't move because those sores are so painful. Okay? You, you know, I, I told him before I prayed with him, I said, I wish there was more I could do. But I know somebody who can do more. And he ain't wearing no white coat. (laughs) And he laughed. He said, no, he ain't. Okay? And we prayed and we touched God. And I believe we touched God tonight. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for LJ. And and even fast. Even fast for for this family. They need a breakthrough. They need God to touch them. But guys, we got to learn to trust God on the mountaintop. we got to learn to trust God in the valley as well. But do you really think that God had brought the children of Israel all the way from Egypt to this desert to die of thirst? Verse 25, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and he threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Come on, Jesus. Good job, God. Okay? It says he touched them. He... he, he, um, um, God, God intervened, and, and when we continue reading, it says, There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. You see, guys, this was a twofold test. It was not just for the children of Israel, but it was also for Moses. So look at Moses. How did Moses pass the test? What did he do when they complained? What did he do when they came to him? He went straight to God. He said, God you have a problem. God, this water ain't fit to drink. What would you have me to do? And, and, and we threw a piece of wood in there, foreshadowing of Christ, foreshadowing of the cross, threw a piece of wood in there, and it brought healing to the waters, okay? So Moses passed the test with flying colors. Yay, Mo. Okay? By the way, Moses. I, I, his nickname's Mo, kind of like me. Okay? But yay, Moses. Good job. So what about the people? How did they do on this test? Not so good, okay? Not so good because, again, unbelief was still in their heart. They still didn't trust God. They still didn't trust Moses. They still couldn't. They, they still had Egypt in their heart. They hadn't got it all out yet, okay? They failed a test. Okay, maybe this is just growing pains. These folks will start trusting God and Moses, right? Let's look at chapter 16. We're not going to get much further past that. Chapter number 16. All right, they got their water met. They're camping out in Elam. They've got, uh, they've got palm trees. Man, this is pretty cool stuff, but they're starting to get a little hungry. In chapter number 16, it says this. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Okay? Guys, here's the thing. The enemy always gives you uh, subjective amnesia. Did what they say was true? Yeah, they had food in the pots, but they were slaves. 
They had no rule over their life, okay? Egyptian, they were in Egyptian bondage. And whatever had been put in that pot was given you by your master, okay? I mean, these guys forgot that now they're free. Now they can worship God. Now they have so many blessings at their disposal. But it's amazing how the enemy will only cause you to remember parts of the story. You know, it's amazing sometimes those have been, that, have, that have come out of the world and, and, and sometimes you begin to think about those times and you only think about the good times. You only think about when everything was going great, when you had all your friends. You don't think about how things went south, okay? You don't think about how because you, you acted a fool, you, you hurt people around you and you, you hurt people that you love. The, the enemy doesn't want you to remember the whole story. Okay, you know, talking to people in Celebrate Recovery, talking to Fabian and others, uh, the enemy doesn't want you to remember the entire story. Okay, but guys, we need to remember the entire story. We need to realize that God saw it all. Okay, but there's that unbelief again. It's manifesting itself in grumbling. It's manifesting itself in in subjective amnesia. And I know it's 726, Miss Chantel. Okay, I know I got five minutes. Okay. But look at the look right here. Look at this grumbling against Moses. This is in my notes right here in my study Bible. It says this. The Israelites grumbled against Moses and God for the third time. In spite of all that God had done for them, they were quick to lose faith in his goodness, his wisdom, and his will for their lives. Guys, let's learn a lesson. Let's not be quick to lose faith in his goodness. Let's not forget that he's in control. Let's not forget that his will for our lives will be done. Amen? Paul warns New Testament believers not to follow Israel's example. 1 Corinthians 10.10 When serious problems arise, instead of accusing God of neglect and unfaithfulness, we should commit our way to him and humbly ask for his help in resolving the problems, trusting him to act on our behalf. Amen? So, this is what's going on. There's grumbling again. Um, uh, a, a final note on a final note on grumbling. They they want some food. So so right here in verses uh, verses eight through eleven. Let's read what happens. It says this. Moses also said, "You know well, or, or you will know that it was the Lord which gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because He's heard your grumbling against Him." Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. God, let's not forget, guys, the Lord hears everything we say. The enemy also hears everything we say. Okay? Don't give the enemy more ammunition. Okay? You know, I shared something with, uh, with, with someone recently. If your heart's not completely right, at least you keep your mouth shut. I learned that lesson personally, <laughs> okay? There have been some times I've been around people and, and maybe I had an issue with them, okay? Maybe I, had a, maybe I had some things and my heart wasn't completely pure, Sister Garland. So, so when that's the case, I'm going to at least keep my mouth shut. Because if you keep your mouth shut, it saves you a whole lot of pain and heartache, amen? But here's some other things, guys. Stop giving the enemy ammunition to work with. When you start saying, oh, I feel terrible today. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Oh, I don't know how this is going to work out. All of a sudden, he says, I might have an opportunity here. So guys, we got to remember what? The words of life and death are in the tongue. We prophesy our futures, okay? If you're all down in the mouth and talking about how God can't and God won't and God doesn't love you, all of a sudden, every demon in hell, you got their attention. 
But Chantel taught us a couple weeks ago, we want to activate angels on our behalf. How do we do that? We speak truth. We speak faith. We speak the word of God. And all of a sudden now, there's more for us than against us. So watch the words you say, friends. Okay? Like Mama always said, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Amen? I'm almost done. Man, this is tough. Okay, I'm only halfway through page number one. Okay, page number two. Good job. So here's the deal, guys. God provides for them. Um, uh, oh, in verse number nine, it says, Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, because he's heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the, the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in a cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard their grumbling. Tell them I'm about to feed them. And he feeds them. God rains bread down from heaven, manna. But, But he also has a few rules for them, such as collect only enough for you and your family for one day. And... But the day before the Sabbath, you collect two days. So enough about grumbling for a second. Let's see how these Israelites do with obedience. And if you'll give me three more minutes, I'll be done. Okay? Let's see how they're doing with obedience. They're not so good at keeping their mouth shut. They're pretty good at grumbling. But maybe they can obey, right? Yeah, right. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Moses has told them, here's what God expects. You just pick up, a, pick, enough, pick up enough for one day. So Moses said unto them in verse 19, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Okay? You see, again, this is a step of faith. Because many times you're thinking, well, what if, what if God doesn't come through tomorrow? i got to keep a little bit for tomorrow. No, no, no. you just got to trust God for tomorrow. But look at verse 20. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. That's not smart. (laughs) They kept part of it until morning, and it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. He had reason to be. (laughs) Okay? Look, guys, um, listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to spiritual leadership. Listen to spiritual authority. I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. Every one of us should have people that we look up to spiritually. When they speak into your lives, pay attention. You know what? This weekend, Paul Bradford has permission to speak into my life. Why? Because he's a spiritual authority over me. Okay? Does he hold some rank over me? No, but I've given him permission as a spiritual mentor to, to, to rattle my cage sometimes. Amen? Guys, we need that in our lives. So Moses had told them, hey, don't keep any of it until morning. But some of them paid no attention to Moses. Not good. Look at verse 23. He also told them, verse 23, this is what the Lord commands. Tomorrow is the day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you need to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Wow, it's amazing. Blessings follow obedience, huh? Eat it today, Moses said, because today's a Sabbath to the Lord. You'll not find any of it on the ground tomorrow. Six days you're to gather it, but on the seventh day there won't be any. Look at verse 27. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, and imagine this, they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? You know, I kind of feel bad for Moses right here. (laughs) Okay? He's about to get chewed out, and Moses did everything he was supposed to do. But some hard-headed Hebrew decided he was going to do his own thing. 
How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone's to stay where he is on the seventh day. No one's to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Guys, I, I close this message today and I got a long way to go next week and it'll probably even go the following week, Miss Chantel. So you got plenty of time to work on your stuff. Blessings follow obedience. You never heard me say that before, huh? Blessings follow obedience. When we do things God's way, we get God's results. Some of us, we're trying to do things our own way and we're asking God to bless the results. It doesn't work that way. Let's try doing things God's way and watch the results take care of themselves. Amen? Guys, you can trust God. You can trust He is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. He did it for the children of Israel. He did it in spite of them sometime, okay? He blessed them in spite of Himself. Aren't you glad He still does that today? One prayer you never want to pray, God, give me what I deserve. Because none of us want any of that now, do we? God, give me Your grace. Give me Your mercy. Give me... Give me, give me better than I deserve. People ask me all the time, hey, how you doing, preacher? Better than I deserve. Amen.